Oh, I had listen. I had a humorous story, but I figured it was too long for the show. We were saying how they put somebody on the table that they're going to use them. You know, in like a heist picture. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There, there was an old road movie with uh, Bob Hope and Bing Crosby. Whatever the plot was, there's uh, one guy in the thing who he sent to get help. And, you know, it's a comedy, of course. And he's he's riding, you know, into, you know, towards the town they were in with like a cavalry force of all these guys. And the plot keeps unfolding and he keeps getting closer. And the movie ends. And it's like they're ready to roll the credits and it cuts back to him on the horse. And he goes, well, we never quite made it, but it was exciting, wasn't it? (laughs) 2D. The Flat Frontier. These are the voyages of the Pancake Enterprise. Its rotoscoped mission to repeat the same animation and music, to transcend the limitations of 70s animation, to go bowling where no cartoon has gone before. Toon Trek, based upon Star Trek, created by Gene Roddenberry. Starring Paul Spataro. Also starring Dave Pascarella. With Bill Robinson. And Andrew Leyland as Andy. Production assistants, J. David Wheater. Hello and welcome to Toon Trek, the never-ending... Never-ending? Never-ending? Well, it will end because there's... Uh, we're at the end this of the is, first season. This is the end of the first season, yes. <laughs> and so, And the second season, spoiler, isn't as long as the first. <laughs> Uh, no, the, the second season's a BBC show. Yes, yes it is. <laughs> so, but today's episode that we will be discussing is The Jihad. Uh, but before we get into that, uh, I am uh, Dr. Bill, and with me is, you You heard that little giggle, that is Sir Andrew Leyland as Andy. Doff my cap to thee. Thank you. And we have Dave Pontarella. Off the highways and byways. And your chip. He's a chippy. He's a chip for the chippy. Fish and chips. Fish and chips Dave. That's his name. <laughs> Good night. No, wrong, wrong accent, sir. Oi. No, wait. No, that's not the right accent either. <clears throat> And somewhere out there in the ether for our special team of uh, Ocean's Eleven slash Mission Impossible today is the executive producer, Paul Spataro. I don't know if I want to go in there. It's scary. <laughs> Ow, I fell in a hole. Help me. Hit your life fly. I've fallen and I can't get up. Sorry, your extended warranty has expired. <laughs> Hi, this is a recorded line. Would you like to talk about... No, yeah, we get all those calls lately, too. Yes, we got your message that you wanted a, <laughs> your, to extend yes. your uh, loan or whatever. It's like, I don't even have a loan. Thank you. <laughs> Please leave. And there's all... Well, the one that you don't get much anymore is like... Yes, we are calling about your Windows warranty, uh, that your Windows is about to expire. Really? Uh, how did you know this? I had a long, I think I had a long tirade on that a few years ago on a show. So we're not going to rehash it here. But do we have any Star Trek news? Uh, Picard's ending with season three, but I thought we already all knew that. Was that uh, not announced when the show started that it was three and done? I didn't know it was three seasons when it started. Yeah, I think I think Patrick Stewart mentioned that in an interview that it was mm. going to be they were only they'd only doing for three seasons. I don't know whether that means they had it planned for three seasons or whatever, but oh, you know what I'm sure he mentioned. But come on, next we'll have Riker. 
Well, I hope so, because I would imagine well, that um, Jonathan Frakes is, is much happier with, you know, actually making a Star Trek show and not remaking Blake 7. So I'd, I'd be quite down with him, because did, did I post this to our group? I was listening to Inglorious Tracks, but and they <laughs> they work in there. And Patrick Stewart had a list of things he didn't want to do. If oh, he was I, oh up yeah, yeah, Picard. I saw that. And it was, I don't want to wear the suit. I don't want to stand on the bridge. I don't want to say engage. And I'm like, so basically you don't want to make Star Trek. So basically you just want money. But apparently yes. on his list of things he wouldn't do was not included. I surrender. <laughs> and it just, well, it's, yeah, it's like, and suddenly that, that whole ridiculous thing where you're wearing the beret and the eye patch and you're like, ugh. And you know, as an actor, darling, you probably read that on the script and thought this is brilliant. But you're watching it and thinking, I don't no, just no. He should have smoked a cigarette while he was at it. Yeah, so, you know, if you don't want to do a Star Trek show, Patrick, don't do Star Trek. Oh, arguably you're not. Yeah, oh, uh, Discovery season will start back up. <coughs> They're on their break. I don't think... I think Andy we and were I... On I a break. Andy, are you... <laughs> Andy, are you even caught up? No, I watched the next episode, which consisted of at least three interminably boring scenes of them all going to the psychotherapist and thought, I'm not watching The Sopranos. Off. <laughs> well, that's all we got for Star Trek news. <laughs> I think the last one, I, honestly, I think the last one I watched was the Galileo 7 with Tilly. I'm, uh, and it I'm, was, I'm, oh, yeah. I'm yeah. far more interested oh, in the fact her. that the uh, first half of the last season of Ozark dropped. Yeah. <clears throat> you, know, you know, I'm still I'm still clinging to the hope, cling on to the hope that Strange New Worlds will actually entertain me. Mm. But at this rate, I'm not holding my breath. I do. I mean to check out Prodigy if I can find it anywhere because Prodigy sounds quite interesting, and I did grow to really like Lower Decks. So maybe animation's where it's at. Maybe. I'm curious with um, Strange New Worlds, how much are we going to have of standalone episodes and maybe have an over overall arching arc being Pike knowing his future? Because we know where that show could end if they mm. wanted to. Would be him getting in the accident yeah so and he's gonna i i that will have to be addressed i'm sure that's going to be brought up and addressed throughout you know well, how long have, how long have they got to get to that i don't know i don't i i because we did we find is it stated in the menagerie when the accident happened to him I'd have to go back and watch. I can't. I would. Because I know Discovery was originally 10 years before the original show. And in the Menagerie, Spock says that the the Menagerie part of the the cage part of the Menagerie Mm -hmm. took place 13 years earlier. So presumably, and if this is 10 years before the original show, Pike's already three years into however long missions were by then. Hmm. I think if they always said that it was a standard line. of five-year missions. Yeah, so that means then that if we're picking this show up ten years before the original, then presumably he's three years into his mission. But that yeah, doesn't but, really jibe with what we saw in Discovery. Well, because Discovery... I think there was a time jump in Discovery with... Uh, I don't know. I, I'd have to go back and rewatch the first season. And that ain't happening. No. That... From the outbreak of the Klingon War, how long was the Klingon War? Mm. So, I don't know if you cut that time off, and then his five-year mission started, you know, after... Don't know. Don't know, yeah. and yeah, I'll worry about it whenever the show starts airing. Yeah. See, my only, my only problem with Strange New Worlds is it is still a prequel, and you know where it's going, and you know where it's going to end. And there's not really a lot they can do with that. The only character who we don't know what happens to them is number one. Mm -hmm. Because she's never been seen again in canonical canonical stuff. And the original Doctor as well, because we don't know what happened. Well, do we know he's in the show? We don't 
we don't know. Are we going to see Royce? Right, um, it was Doctor Royce. Doctor Boyce, I think. Bo- oh, bo- yeah. And but then, are we going to see? Doctor... Are we going to see the little ginger helmsman? Is he going to be in it? I don't know. Uh, is the little is is the the communications chief guy? Is he going to be in it? I thought Doctor Mbenga. Mbenga. Mbenga was in the original. He was only in yeah. He was in one show, and yeah, actually, he was a big character in um. A, uh, a, a, was it a book by Kathleen Sky? It's a Star Trek novel. The he Death Angel. Mbenga has been Academy murders. That's the one. Oh, okay. I just finished that last week. Mm. Right. Because Doctor Mabenga's in is in two episodes of the original show. Because mm. the it was interesting to imply though that they did have another Doctor on the ship. It wasn't all Mackay. Right. Is, so he's going to be in Strange New Worlds. I believe so. I thought I I thought I remember he- hearing so that. So what but... a, what about the Doctor who's on board in the cage? I don't know. He's pretty old. Um, he might have retired. That's true. Yeah. Are they gonna? Uh, ooh. Because the cage has happened, doesn't it? I don't know. Has it? Yes, it has. Because in an episode of Discovery, oh, that's right. so yes. thinking yes. about yes. that, yes. and they recast all the rules. And that's got right. Because they had what's her name? Wrong. Oh yeah, yeah. Because they had what's her name? Who uh, was good in the alien. Australian girl who was an alias? Yeah. yeah. She was. She replaced Vina. And I'm sorry, dude. There ain't no one who can replace Susan Oliver. Which, by the way, alias is back on Hulu. Yeah, it's on Disney Plus here. What? Yeah, it's on. It's an ABC show. Oh, okay. So it's on Disney Plus. I was doing a rewatch of it and got to the last season, and then I come back one day, and it's like, well, I'm like, where'd it go? <laughs> I wasn't doing I'm surprised you got that. You went off to make espresso. <laughs> technically, you can end Alias in episode 13 of season two. You can stop watching it, though. Nothing else that happens matters. Oh, yeah, but I hadn't seen it since its, its original run, and I was kind of, like, remembering things, and it was just like, yeah, I can't remember. Well, wait, what, what, where'd it go? Come back. <laughs> By the way, I bought, those, I bought those Blu-rays of the first three seasons of Star Trek, the remastered ones. Right. Mm-hmm. And I've been starting into them. I'm enjoying the heck out of them. Now, you know, is Cassie watching re- them with you, or is that Never. Know, uh, TV show forbidden? That is forbidden. Show forbidden. forbidden. She said bonk, bonk on the head if I w- make her watch it. But I'm enjoying it. It's great. It's just remastered. <laughs> Not only do you get to watch the show, enough. but you get your wife to leave. <laughs> yeah, they, they fiddled. They only fiddled around with bits. But there's a new scene in a mock time of them actually walking to wherever they do Kunut Caliphate. And the, the camera pans back, and you actually see all of Vulcan. Yeah, like climbing the steps of Mount Selena, whatever. That kind of thing. And then yeah. Spock yeah. hits, on, hits on somebody and says, I'm walking here. The Doomsday Machine's a lot better in the remastered yeah. version. I can't wait to get up to that. I'm up to, actually, my next one will be episode one of The Menagerie. Oh. The Ultimate Computer is a lot better. That's yes, the one that Scott that's a lot Scott better, yeah. did, did the commentary for. Because yeah, he has that on. Uh, on Blu-ray, and we watched it on his on his big TV. I love that episode. That's a great episode, The Ultimate Computer. Yep. That is one of my all-time favorites. That's why I was like, Scott, you guys never got to the M5 and I wanted to be on the show, so we're going to do it. We're going to do the show now. We're going to put the show in right here. So, But I guess back to... Uh, well, speaking of M- M5, let's talk about M3 Green, the new, the, mm. the hottest DJ <laughs> in the Star Trek universe. Oh, woozy, woozy. He was the Schleprock of Star Rock. Trek. Hey, wasn't M3 Green on uh, Battlestar Galactica and the uh, original, the things that were capturing the colonists with the uh, six arms? Uh, no, they were Orion. Oh, I see what you say, yeah. What were they called? It did look like it, yes. Hmm. Yeah, they did look like him. Just think how many phones he could operate at one time. He could be watching a movie. He could be... Yeah, he could be an asshole on six different social media platforms at once. (laughs) And he'd just walk into holes everywhere. Ah! (laughs) All right, so today's episode brought to you by... 
Oh, wait, we don't have a sponsor. Never mind. We do this for free. <laughs> Brought to you by Don't forget nobody. our Patreon page. What? We have no, Patreon? No, donate. Yes, in, in my imagination. Oh, okay. I was like, what? 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 Yeah, no, oh. that'll never happen. Paul's private Patreon page. Oh, <laughs> uh, this is season one, episode 16, the last episode. Original air date, January 12th. Oh, much close to, uh, well, a few weeks off from today's date and a few years off. January 12th, 1974. Ooh, I bet it was cold then. Somewhere. It's cold today. I know, you guys, ooh, it's cold in Florida, ooh, it's in the 40s, where? I almost had to wear a jacket. <laughs> I'm wearing a robe and clothes under is the it, robe. Is it a Jedi robe? I thought or? you were going to say just a robe. I, I, I wish it was a Jedi robe. It, it is a long robe, but it has no hood. I do I do actually own a Jedi robe. Because <laughs> when, when I'm not feeling well, I get abuse, like, you need to wear a robe, because I don't normally wear one. I said, if you get me a Jedi robe, I'll wear it. So, next thing you know, I got a Jedi robe. Hmm. Does it have pockets? It has pockets, and it's got the hood. And when I'm when I'm not feeling well, I put the hood on, and you can't you can see no part of my uh, from the neck up. You can't see anything except does for you, hood. Does your lightsaber click on the belt? And, and you've seen my lightsaber. Yes. Oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> His legitimate Star Wars issued lightsaber. I was going to say, this is a family show. Well, not really. <clears throat> yeah, the older I get, the more toys I have, which is, I guess, the reverse of what it's supposed to be. Because <laughs> you could afford them now. In theory. So, so <laughs> In when theory, you until th- the bill comes and my wife sees it and <laughs> says, we can't afford this shit. So if you're not feeling well and somebody walks by to you, wave your hand, you will bring me a beverage. Oh, I do that all the time. <laughs> you will bring me some food. And they they stop and look at you and go, yeah, get it yourself. <laughs> so much for that. So the plot of our episode goes like this. It was a plot in this one? Oh. Shut up, Dave. You're supposed to say shut up, shutting up. Shut up, shut up. I'm not the type to keep talking when somebody tells me to shut up. You tell me to shut up, I'm going to shut up. I'm not going to go on and on and on. I'm not just not one of those people. Shut up, shutting up. On start date 5683.1 and a half, the Federation Starship Enterprise arrives at the Vidalia Onion Asteroid. I mean, at the Vidalia Asteroid. There's a thing called Vidalia Onions. Uh, they're from Georgia. Oh, okay. Just want to explain. You wear them on your belt. Yes, because yeah. yes. that was the style at the time, as we've already well, established. If you know your onions, yeah, exactly. Where Captain Kirk and First Officer Spock have been summoned to take part in the latest of several failed secret quests to learn about a stolen religious artifact, the Soul of the Score. You gotta run. You gotta. I don't know if I would roll those R's or just extend them because there's two. I guess if I had a little thingy above it, then I would go, score. So we'll go, score, score, like it's a hockey game. The theft of which would ignite a galactic holy war. Uh, I was going to j- jump into a Megadeth song. But I think I'm confusing that with another song. Anyway, joining Kirk and Spock is a team of specialists. Dun, 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 dun. Called in to help recover the item, which has been hidden on a very unstable and dangerous planet. Good thinking. The focal point of the mission, as the primary stakeholder, is Takar, the hereditary prince of the Skor. Skor! The muscle of the team is provided by Sword. Sword? Sword? Sword. A reptilian. Well, there's no W's. Andy, can I get a pronunciation check, please? On what? (laughs) Moving on. (laughs) With great strength. (laughs) See, everybody's listening to me. And an insectoid named M3 Green as a master lock plick. Plick, pick, pick. I said pick. I didn't say plick. Wasn't he in the Savage Curtain? Who? M3 Green. Wasn't he on the bad side? That was Colonel Green. Green. Oh, I thought I see, and I thought M3 Green was the one who did the imitations of everybody. Help me, Spock! Oh, that was the Klingon. Oh, right. 
No. Kalis. Yeah, it was Kalis, wasn't it? Kalis, Kalis. Can you do Lincoln? <laughs> Don't meet Kirk. A Vulcan would not cry out, so. The team is rounded out by the Huntress, <laughs> Lara, right? I just got to say, so we had all these really world names and weird names. Yeah, I'm Lara. Hi. I'm going to be. 34th you know? Street. <laughs> and a, a humanoid who is an accomplished tracker with an, impetive, an impeccable. She's been brought here for her impeccable sense of direction. That's a line in the show. I'm like. Okay. Kirk and Spock soon learned that one part, one member of the party is a saboteur. You say saboteur, I say sabotar. It seems that Takar has stolen the artifact himself in an effort to return his people to their warrior ways. When the mission is completed, Takar is held captive as insane, although with good prospects of rehabilitation. Yeah, right. The Vidalia Onion states that they will eventually forget that these events ever happened. Kirk and Spock return to the Enterprise, where it seems that hardly any time at all has passed since their beam down to begin the mission. Did it even happen at all? This is a very, very strange episode. I mean, I, when I first started, I was like, wow, we got a lot of different aliens. This whole... it, it for me, it felt like it had a lot of promise, and then it just kind of, like the sci-fi side, the whole mystery, the, I, I don't know. It just fell apart for me. I don't disagree with you. I think I think there was a lot of pros- promise in the episode, mm-hmm. uh, but I don't think it was always realized, which I think is, you know, a common theme in a lot of these episodes that we've passed on so far. I think... Uh, you know the the inclusion of these different alien races gives them so much ability to 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 just branch out and express their imagination mm-hmm. and and i think they just fail on so many levels in these episodes that it's it's really disappointing uh and and i guess you know you have to understand again the time that this is being done <clears throat> i did you know i i kind of liked the character model for uh score uh, I thought. Oh was, yeah, well that, that was, was kind of cool. That character was in, uh, if I remember correctly, was in the uh, yesteryear. I think wasn't he there? It was like as one of the scientists in. Uh, I think it might have the, been. I think you might be right. Yeah, and then uh, which what's I'm just trying to remember the uh, was it sword is you know he looks, looks like, like he, could, he could be a Gorn yeah. Yeah, so I think they they could have gone a little bit more off on him, and then M three Green is just to me is just I he kept making me laugh, so he actually was the highlight of the episode for me because of that, and that's not really what should be the highlight. You know, there there should be a lot more going yeah. on here. That this 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 should be making your brain say, "Wow, look at all these concepts and things that are going on," and it just kind of falls short of doing that when when you. You know, you're hoping for it. So, well, you know, it's it was not bad, but it just wasn't as good as it could have been. And again, I think that I feel like that's been a lot of the theme of what we've seen so far. Mm-hmm. Well, well, the character of Vidala, uh, <laughs> the the cat, the cat raccoon with the broken front arms. I gotta tell you, I'm tired of the cat animation. It's like every time they run out of ideas, it's like, yeah, just make it a cat. Well, it, it's well, like it's when she she made her point at the end, of it and goes, "Cat." What the hell was that? <laughs> I, I mean, okay, I, every creature doesn't have to stand up straight with their arms by their side, but the whole like it was every time I looked at her it whatever it's you know it's okay so if you were standing up you would be hunched over for one now i guess that could be with that as an ant well i i guess it's a type of creature that evolved and is now standing on two legs or maybe just chooses to stand on two legs because of the other humanoids that are present but then they've got the arms maybe they're just trying to convey more alienness 
but this is supposed to be like one of the oldest races in the galaxy and and they've gathered together a secret force to go on a special mission and there's been two other failed attempts and and no nobody remembers and where did do how why huh yeah how did this even like how did the federation get involved in this <laughs> how, how did they get a message i mean and the time dilation oh you just left heard you missed us we're back <laughs> well after watching T'Char get captured in literally three seconds by two unarmed humans I'm saying bring the battle on let's fight these people that's right because we're going to breed 200 billion million <laughs> it's like, yeah. bring it on gonna, let's go somebody's going to be laying a lot of eggs that's all I gotta say. Gonna be a lot of omelets out there. You wanna make an omelet, you gotta break some eggs. Exactly. What'd you think, Andy? You're off the quiet. Honestly, I, I thought the whole Mission Impossible Let's Go on a Raid thing was fun. I thought that it's doing something that the animated series didn't really do enough of, but should have. Mm which was shows aliens that they just could not have depicted on live action at the time. Yeah, it gets points for that, yeah. yeah. And I thought that, that it had... You're, you're not wrong. It, it, there's potential here that is squandered by the limitations of the storytelling of the time. But I quite like the idea of going on a mission with a bunch of these... Uh, an Expendables-type mission. And not enough of them got killed, which is a shame, because that would have been fun. And I did like that the um, the the female say, um, correction that she's hitting Kirk. I love that she's picking up Kirk all she's like, the way got a job to do. Yeah, and he's very look. We've got a limited time to do the gig, but you know I'm not down to you popping up to the cabin later. <laughs> and I quite like that. I thought that was quite nifty that uh, the woman was hitting on him for a change, and he was all about the mission. But well, yeah, make him, some green memories. Yeah. You know, David Gerald's voice as, as as the cowardly one was was a bit much. Well, I mean, I I think I, I think it kind of fit. <laughs> to be honest, I mean, if that's the way they wanted to portray the character, it was fine. Yeah, and so, so for the most part, I I quite liked the episode. I mean, there was never really any doubt who the bad guy was. To be honest. Um, but it was it was fine. It wild away the twenty two well, minutes. Quite wait a minute. Blue. You know. So you knew that T'Char was the was the villain all along. No, I'm not saying all oh, along. Okay. But there's a I... bit once once the characters start disappearing and he disappears, there comes a point where oh, you're okay. like, well, he he can only be the guy behind it. Because, because I don't li- understand why he even led all of them to the to the thing, you know. Yeah. Oh, there's the like. See, that didn't make it. It's like, well, if if you're the saboteur, saboteur, why did you even lead everybody to the temple? Yeah, because he he wants that to start his his war, doesn't he? Yeah. So it's like you shouldn't so, just. Yeah, that didn't make any sense at yeah. all. But you know. Okay. Uh. The uh, actress, the voiceover actress that did, uh, uh, her name's Jane Webb, that did the female voices because Major Barrett was, I guess, going through pregnancy issues. So uh, she, I looked this up last time. I was trying to look at it up again. And now this is just not agreeing. This is not helping. Here we go. So if I remember correctly, and I recognize her voice was from like I think she was in the Archies and she played Batgirl on the Batman. Um, I'm double checking. New Adventures of Gilligan. Yeah, she was on a lot. Oh yeah, she had a lot of lot of credits. Did you guys look into her? Did you recognize her voice, or did you think it was Madge Barrett or someone else? I mean, I was to me, it obviously was not. To me, I, I was thinking she was doing a great job at sounding different. Well, yeah, because she's a real voice. So she's an actual voice. No, no, no. I meant Major Barrett. I was like, wow, oh. this one, she, she sounds different. Dude, that's phenomenal work she's doing. 
I think just the fact that it sounded different should be enough to let you know that it's not one of the regulars, because none of them seem to ever sound different. Yeah, she was in Archie's Funhouse. Uh, She played Betty, uh, Veronica, Big Ethel. Uh, She did the Batman Super Hour, uh, the, the Batman Superman Hour, like from 68 to 69. She was Batgirl, Barbara Gordon, and Catwoman. Um, the Groovy Ghoulies. You guys ever watched the Goo? Yeah, I watched. I watched the Groovy Ghoulies. Yeah. Did you? She was. Yep. I'm not used to you having watched anything that we grew up with. Yeah, I remember the Groovy Ghoulies. It must have got repeated because obviously I'm not as old as you guys. She played. (laughs) And Sabrina, and also in Sabrina the Teenage Witch animated, she was in that. So yeah, she she had a lot of. The Brady Kids, Lassie's Rescue Rangers. I remember that. Secret Lives of Waldo Kitty. The New Adventures of Gilligan. The New Archie Sabrina Hour in like 1977. So. I was just impressed that it sounded like they actually rolled the boat out on the voice cast for this one. Like they had David Gerald doing a voice and they had someone who didn't sound like it was just Major Barrett doing a voice and it didn't sound like Jimmy Doom was all over this because at the beginning for whatever reason Scotty's in the transporter room but Sulu beams him down <laughs> and you're like you know got better things to do you know like steering the ship I gotta get my transporter chief badge yeah, I suppose yeah I suppose you could argue yeah he was studying because they all do that don't they they all study yeah. the departments and shit yeah all right fair. well actually in the navy there is a thing it's called a uh, wow. I'm blanking. It's a all right. So you qualify. You stand certain watches in different um, surface warfare. That's what it is. A surface warfare pin. Um, and you you get that from you know you go to engineering. You know I like I was in co- combat systems. So if you go to engineering, you would stand a watch or you would go through a procedure. And then you would go to ops and then you would go to, you know, like the galley, like you would do something. You would get qualified in certain watch standing stations all over the ship. And then you get a special uh, uh, pin, which I never got (laughs) because I was too busy sleeping, reading books on on my six months. (laughs) Reading Star Trek books. I, I did. I read. I read a ton of Star Trek books when I was in. I mean, what else am I going to do in the middle of the ocean? Work. Please <laughs> come on. Swim. I mean, I had nowhere else to go. I got nowhere else to go. <laughs> exactly. If you hadn't read all those books, you'd be Admiral Robinson today. <laughs> That's Admiral. true. Admiral. Oh. Yes. <laughs> Admiral Robinson never bothered to check on our progress. <laughs> Admiral Robinson never bothered to get his surface warfare pin. So, yeah. So, Magel Barrett was out because, they say, because of a pregnancy. But being, well, you know what? I'm just try, trying to think. Did they maybe have a little more money? But I think David Gerald was trying to get a, a SAG card or working on it. That's why he's like, oh, I got to do the voices. Yes, let me do the voice. <laughs> Work. I'll do it just like this. Whereas, like nowadays, with some series, and probably back then too, they had like a budget maybe for the year, and then you know if if you spend a lot on one show, you know, like where you would get a bottle show, where you you know it stays on the ship or it stays on a certain set, and you don't you know you don't have all these other locations to film on because you spend all the money on the locations or. But I guess in animation, I don't know. Would that have been a case, or am I just well, looking looking I think, too deep? I think you're, no, I don't think you're looking too deep. But think about it, because if if, if it wasn't similar to live action in in its own way, uh, they wouldn't show repeated backgrounds over and over again. So they do save mm-hmm. money by using things over again, and that's kind of I guess the animated version of a bottle show is what backgrounds can we use that were already drawn. Right. And what characters can we use that we already have, you know, the motion that we need from? Because uh, anything else we have to recreate, and that's going to cost time and money uh, to do. So I do think that they had limitation, budget limitations as far as what they could do. The only difference was if you were going to do something new, you didn't have to worry about, well, we could do this, 
but we can't do this that's more elaborate because we don't have the ability to create that with special effects. Mm. Uh, you know, just the same, I guess, they, you know, if you see you see the way the characters are drawn, they're, you know, they're, they're fairly simple line drawings. So I guess they were limited that even in their alien creations, if they came up with something that was too complicated or too detailed, that would take too many uh, work hours to, to create and animate and, and make it look good. So they would, you know, stay kind of simple. You know they've blown the budget when they have uh, the Stone Age planet with bedrock in the background. <laughs> when they start running and you see their legs like do that that fan spin before they actually start moving. Well, you know they had that great uh, that great tricked out ride. Where did that come from? It was just lying around. <laughs> I, I gotta say something about that. When it changed shape, you know, with that big flash, do you remember a very old cartoon called uh, Charlie Chan and the Chan Clan? Yes. It was a detective. Very, very woke. <laughs> but they would push a button or something and the vehicle would change, you know, and it would do that. I don't think you un- understand the meaning of that word, Paul. <laughs> you may be right. <laughs> Not in that context. Hi, guys. Yeah. Here we are. I, I remember that. Yeah, so they could be a sports car and then become a fire truck and a van. And then they had that stock sound effect that was like, wow, wow. It turns into like Christopher magical. Walken. <laughs> <laughs> Christopher Walker will provide all the sound effects for the next season. Pow, pow. I got a face. Zap, zap. Ow. I've been shot. Your mind to my mind. If Christopher Walken was a Vulcan, I'm Vulcan here. <laughs> You're making me so pensive. Get it? Because he's has no emotion. He would be rather subdued, quiet even, like a mouse. Oh, Bill, you killed that little mouse. Anyway. <laughs> Where were we? I'm going down a walking hole. And we're letting you go. Uh, and on once on again, here. it'll allow you a chance to say, I'm walking here. <laughs> exactly. So, Alar, 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 the religious leader, he died... And they stuck his brain patterns in a rock. Wow. Freaky. So Alara was like the Surak of uh, Skola. A score, yeah. What's the score? (laughs) I don't know. It's stuck in a rock. (laughs) What's the score, boys? What did Bugs Bunny do? (laughs) <laughs> all right, all right, all right, all right. This all right. team needed Lee Marvin, and it would have been much better. Yes. Not the Dirty Dozen. Well, then it then it would have fulfilled <laughs> Andy's hopes of, of actually having some of the characters not make it through the mission. Right. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it had a Mission Impossible, Ocean's Eleven. Like, yeah, we got kind of well, no can't say Ocean's Eleven, because although they did have a lockpick guy. <laughs> who's, I'm working there also for comic relief. Yeah. I think I almost had the lock. <laughs> I lo- I, you know, I, I love I loved the, you know, the heist job theory, and then, you know, everybody's got their specialty, and some point along the mission, each one of their specialties comes into play. You know, there's not a point where like, oh, this is our pyrotechnic expert, but we really don't need any pyrotechnics. Well, that's why they picked Jim Phelps as all those little pictures at the beginning, so he, he knows who he's picking for each mission. <laughs> he knows exactly what's going to happen. Even the you know the expert you know, yeah. things occur exactly as he anticipates. So he knows exactly what's going to happen because he he watches the opening credits and he knows which actors he's got on contract. <laughs> Either that or he read the script already. Oh, that, 
So something I don't know if you got. All right. When they're being explained about the mad planet and that it has a temperature, it has temperatures ranging from 20 to 270 degrees Kelvin. That's minus 253 to 3 degrees Celsius. I'm like, are, so I thought, the first thing I thought, oh, I guess they're going to have the little wibbly wobbly uh, life support belts on because obviously they'll be dead as they're walking around the planet. But yet when we're on the planet, eh, you know, it's, it's, it's a little, it's a it's little rain, <clears throat> It's raining, it's snowing, the sun's it's out. It's the Genesis planet. That's what I thought too. That's what I thought too. I was like, "What are they going to the Genesis? It's an unstable planet." Oh, somebody's been messing with proto matter. David, oh my God! You, look, there's another spark. <laughs> David, you little minx. <laughs> uh, you're gonna pay for that eventually. Third movie. If David had gone right to the police. This would never have happened. <laughs> <laughs> what is that? I know what that's from. I can't think of it. Is that another cartoon? The case of the gullible woodpecker. Yeah, that's right. If Woody Woodpecker had gone right to the police, this would never have happened. And doesn't he, like, attack the guy at the end? (laughs) No, I just thought you, ah, shut up. (laughs) Uh, Any other uh, things we want to bring out about this? Or shall, shall we rate? Oh, you rate. All right. On the onset, I was excited, and I thought it had promise. A couple things fell apart, but with all that said, and with the magnificent performance of David Gerald, I think I'm going to give it um, three three walking Vulcans out of five. What say yous, guys? I'm kind of in the same boat. I'm also a 3.0. I do think it was above average because it was kind of fun to watch, but I think it had a chance to be really above average, way above average, and, you know, that's where it failed. It's not that it was bad. It's just that it wasn't as good as it could have been. For the same reason, I gave it slightly below average. I thought it had a lot of potential, but it, for me, it didn't just pull it off. So I gave it uh, two, a two. Yeah, I, I give it the same. I enjoyed it. It was fine. Probably will watch it again. So you're giving it what? Two. Two? You were the one who said I rather enjoyed this one. <laughs> You were Alamarining this, right. now all of a sudden you're at two. I defended Alamarain, but if we remember correctly, I still only gave it one star. <laughs> Alright, so oh, that's hey, what we, we got, thought. Wait, wait, we got to see those flying purple dragons again. <laughs> I figured you were good for at least I, a 3.5. You said that, like, flying purple dragons aren't brilliant every time you see them. Where's your sense of wonder gone, man? (laughs) Those those things must get around because they're on like every planet, everywhere. Well, those um, those alien races that seeded humanity also thought it'd be funny (laughs) to see purple flying dragons. (laughs) This will really mess up their uh, their history when they start studying what happened in evolution and all that. (laughs) Yeah, there's like some flying purple dragon (laughs) randomly on your planet. There's like. You know, they're in a lab and they're they're doing stuff over here. And there's a guy off in the corner. You know, Bob. I'm gonna screw those guys over. Figure this out. <laughs> well, we don't like the flying dragons, Bob. Yeah. Well, they're gonna be on every planet, everywhere. But enough about our ratings and what we think. Yes. What is Blaine say Incoming transmission Hi guys Here we are at the first season finale Assuming you're also watching in release order Rather than production order I have mixed feelings about this one The good stuff is the structure 
It's a righteous heist, returning a stolen object and requiring cooperation amongst a number of alien races and individuals to succeed. That's what works. That's very Star Trek. The issue I have is the title, The Jihad. English language dictionaries like Merriam-Webster and Oxford typically define this as a holy war against the enemies of Islam, and it has strong associations with the ongoing turmoil in the Middle East. That definition is as old as the definition of awful as something that fills one with awe, without today's negative connotations. By the time this episode had been made, modern Arabic dictionaries were already defining jihad as ongoing efforts with a praiseworthy aim that doesn't have the violent associations of the English dictionary definitions of the word. While the idea of a holy war is definitely built into the story, the lack of understanding of the moderate majority of Islam practitioners is apparent in Western culture. It's not helped by the fact that Islamic extremists are an extremely problematic and visible minority of Islam. They cling to the old ways and the old definitions. I've seen the problems faced by Islamic, Muslim, and Sikh students that I've taught over the years not caused by their actions, but by the prejudice leveled against them by people who assume everyone wearing a traditional head covering of any kind wants the world to live under Sharia law. Misuse of the terms will then rub me the wrong way. Particularly when the way that they are used emphasizes the inaccurate portrayals of the majority of the practitioners. In case anyone is curious about the science of the mad planet, it's not completely out of the question. Io, a moon of Jupiter, rewrites its surface every three weeks or so. That's a direct result of the tidal gravity between the Sun and Jupiter pulling it back and forth. That same tidal gravity completely strips it of an atmosphere. I'm having a hard time imagining a way to have a planet with an atmosphere experiencing this much turmoil unless it was in the early process of formation, but that would require a young solar system. With the age of the universe in these stories, that would probably mean a second or third generation solar system. A previous star in that vicinity went nova, destroyed everything, and then the debris reformed a new solar system. For the record, we live in a second generation solar system. Due to the rapid expansion of the universe at the time of the Big Bang, no elements beyond iron, element 26 on the periodic table, was formed at the time. They have only been naturally created by nova events. The relatively plentiful quantities of elements above 26 on the periodic table on Earth tell us that we are a second-generation solar system, because the proportions are wrong for a third generation or later. I'm not going to say it's impossible, but it would be rare, although rarity is perfectly aligned with this story. So, <laughs> once again, Blaine dazzles me with his science and makes me say, Okay, if that's the way it is, because I don't have much <laughs> that's of That's the way it is. Yeah, I don't have much. He's right of any about. He's right cases. about the term. He's right about the term jihad. I'm sure, and I'm pulling I, this out of my ass, but I'm sure in the original Quran it was a defensive thing. I think I'm pulling that from somewhere, and it was originally no one was to get hurt. It was purely defensive, and obviously it's matured and developed and changed over the years into meaning something else. But I think also, you know, as, as we were talking about, I don't even know if we talked about it on the episode or if it was before we recorded it. I think the current status of the world, you know, with the Internet and everything, uh, I think those feelings have become more magnified in, in many instances. Uh, I think in 1974, it probably would not have gotten the universal uh, reaction that it would now. Um uh, so I, I definitely understand Blaine's sensitivity to it, but I don't know if 1974 would have had the same impact. If that mm. makes sense. Mm. So it's it's and it's not that that sensitivity is is wrong in any way. Uh, you know, I think you know it's it's very easy to say you know you shouldn't assume that <laughs> everyone of a certain group is the same you know that's that's just you know poor thinking so anyway uh but the uh i i, I do agree with blame that the good stuff is in the righteous heist uh and i think we've all agreed with that throughout this episode yep. so Unless anybody has anything else to add, I guess that's it for this time. And what are we going to do next time? Next time, it's an all-new season premiere. 
It's the Pirates of Orion. I was waiting for some <laughs> <just jumping. laughs> That's your gig, Nobody man. Uh, yeah, yeah. Nobody. We, we got a new director. Of what? Oh. Yeah, it's Not Bill Reed. Sutherland. No, it's Bill Reed. Gala. Which well, tells I'll me I've never too. seen any of these episodes. Is he related to Tim Reed? I, I don't know. Robert Reed? Are you talking about... Are you... Tim Tim Reed? Wasn't that Venus Flytrap? Venus Flytrap, and, and I believe he was R-E-I-D. Oh, It'll be yes. nice to see if he brings a different visual flow to the episodes, won't it? It will be, and I don't think I've seen any of these Second City... Second City... Second Season episodes ever. <clears throat> so... Oh, all right. I've seen yeah. them all. So I, I don't think I've seen... I think I've seen the... I think I've seen the counterclock incident. I don't remember any of the others. I'm familiar with the name, but I don't think I've ever seen it. Uh, and Bill Reed directs all six of the second season episodes, and that's all there are, are six. And then once we finish those six, it's going to be time to figure out where where we're going to go from there. Probably someone somewhere where people have gone before. <laughs> the bathroom? <laughs> Sorry. I'd like to go where no man has gone before, but I don't think that's possible in the podcasting world. No one's oh. doing lower decks. Oh, I'm sure somebody is. Yeah, yeah there's got to be something not. somewhere. Oh. oh, I thought you were saying no one's done it. No, no, I, I don't know. That's the sweeping <laughs> statement. <laughs> somebody may have done it. I don't know. Nobody important. I would imagine we'll somebody do has done it somewhere. If we'll you do look a top on the internet. Top Gear Podcast? Yeah, yeah I'm sure. Wait, wait, let's do a Top Gear Podcast. Oh, 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 but then we got to oh. pay the rights for uh, oh, the... For what it's worth, Blaine is already giving us his commentary on what he thinks we're doing next. He is? Yes. Was it in what we just heard? No, he's he's sent us... Oh, okay. He sent us uh, the first three episodes he sent us emails on already. Oh, I guess that means we better do that then. <laughs> <laughs> Just because we said we I might only do said, that. Yeah, I said we're, we're thinking of it. We've I not know. made any definitive uh, plans. Well, you'll you'll have to remind me once we get out of the show because I'm uh, like I often do. Get out of the show. All right, <laughs> <laughs> uh, bye bye. Goodbye, everybody. Goodbye. Wowsy, wowsy, wowsy. Trek is based upon Star Trek, created by Gene Roddenberry, and is a Two True Freaks presentation. It's hosted by Andrew Leyland, Paul Spataro, Dave Pascarella, Bill Robinson, and produced and guest hosted on occasion by J. David Wheaton. All music and clips are copyright the respective copyright holders and no infringement is intended. This is a review show and as such protected under fair use. Yeah, let's go with that. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Toon Trek. Speaking of television, quickly aside, I started watching this English program called Top Gear. Have you ever watched this? Can you just now watching Top Gear? And yes. Andy, Andy kneels at the altar of Top Gear. I've, yes, yes, I do. That's that is like the best forever. program on television. Yeah, it's brilliant. Now, wait a minute. Which hosts are you watching? Jeremy Clarkson, okay, okay, James okay. May, and Richard Hammond. And I, I, will not, I will not be having you dissing on the new guys. I have not seen any of the new ones. The new ones are the best it's been since those three left. Really? Oh, yes. Okay. Yeah, I didn't Paddy, even know there was one. It's Freddie Flintoff, former British cricketer. Paddy McGinnis, does he say Yabba Dabba too? He does not. <laughs> and Chris Harris, who's a former race car driver. And the three of them have got the kind of dynamic that the other three. Skip the Chris Evans, Matt LeBlanc years. Don't, don't bother with any of them. Hmm. Skip them and go straight to Paddy McGuinness and Freddie Flintoff and Chris Harris. You won't miss anything if you skip the Matt LeBlanc years. Do they still have the star and reasonably priced car? No, COVID's put an end to that. Oh. It's oh. all filmed outside now. Oh. They film it outside television centre so they can still have an audience. 
but they're all stood outside and most of the road trips have been local but it's still really it's really really good it's got what about the stig do they have a stig stig is still around yes okay it's not ben collins anymore obviously <laughs> well, was it it was who was the other guy that was a stig for a while it was a formula driver that was ben collins because he was also a stuntman on the bond films so when they no, went I'm thinking the... of somebody else like way back way back oh yeah there was one before Ben Collins but I can't remember who it was yeah I can't remember it was like a big reveal when he took his helmet off they were like oh, yeah. blah, blah, blah. so now when I'm watching it they, they call it the Grand Tour alright the Grand Tour is what they did after they were fired from Top Gun yeah this is because Jeremy Clarkson punched somebody right no, he didn't punch him. He verbally. screamed at him that there was no hot meal ready for him after his meal. And the producer said, Jeremy, you can't pick on a runner. And it, it got escalated to the point where basically the BBC had no choice but to fire him. Whereas, uh, you know, prior to this, they'd always glossed over it. But the Grand Tour is what they do now on Amazon. And Top Gear carries on with different presenters. Uh, Both of them are quite good. The only problem with the, the Grand Tour is it, go, it sometimes goes on a bit long. Yes. Being mm. forced to work in a like 45 minute to an hour time slot is actually better for the show. The Grand Tour can waffle a bit. Although, if you've got Amazon Prime, watch Clarkson's Farm. I am. I just started. I'm that's, on the third one. That's walk. absolutely legitimately brilliant television. I haven't seen that. Is he running a very... farm? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> he bought uh, a farm. He bought farmland, legitimately, and he bought the farm, literally, not figuratively, <laughs> and he decided to make it a going concern, and he decided he would run it, having no training as a farmer, knowing nothing about being a farmer, and he decided to run it, and he's got a couple of people who help him out, but COVID hit, so he ends up having to run this farm pretty much single-handedly, and oh, it's, it's brilliant, it's brilliant it television. I could be wrong, Andy, but I think you got it backwards. I think he bought the farm literally, not figuratively. Yes, he did, yeah. yeah. (laughs) And uh, it is, is, what's his name? He realizes how tough farmers actually have it in terms of taxes and what they've got to pay and all that stuff. And he said, so how do people afford to live who don't have Amazon money? coming in to do a TV show about their farm and the, the legit farmer who's helping out just shrugged at it and just said look this is the way it is but he does actually make it a going concern he doesn't make a lot of money from it hmm. well That's he probably doesn't have to I mean when, look, you know, when he starts out buying the Lamborghini tractor yes. <laughs> and everyone's like yeah huh, it's big huh? <laughs> he buys the biggest most expensive Lamborghini tractor and the, the young kid who's helping him He's brilliant. He's genius, that little kid. He's only about 20, but he knows more about farming than Clarkson will ever know. And he, he just looks at it and goes, great. <laughs> <laughs> Jeremy, this isn't Top Gear. It's not about power. It's not power. about the most expensive. It's it's what's best for the fields that you've got. And Jeremy's like, what? It's, yes, there are different kinds of fields that need different equipment. It's not just a tractor. And he, he does. He abs- have you watched the one yet where he's ploughing the field? Yes. And in true Clarkson fashion, he makes an absolute mighty fuck up of it all. And the young kid comes in and he just looks at it and goes, "What the hell have you done?" It's a roundabout. They can see it from the road. Yeah. The road. They're gonna be talking about you. Mm-hmm. It's, it's just a phenomenal program. And they film all the locals who are like. Uh, it's just Jeremy be Jeremy. <laughs> it's funny because I got into these programs seriously through my wife because she watched some James May thing where he went to Japan. Yeah, he does. They, they all do separate things, don't they? He, uh, have you watched James May's Toy Story? Yes, that's phenomenal. That's, that's good as well. Was yeah. that that the show where, he, or did he do that on Top Gear where he built the house out of Legos? No, yes. that's on the Toy Show. That's Toy Story. Oh, okay. He builds, he builds a life-size Spitfire. Mm-hmm. And he does. he's done a trains one as well, hasn't he? Which would be right yeah, up your right. Yeah, yeah. He's done a toy trains one, yeah. They're really... They're great. Great entertainment. The, the three of them are hysterical. They yeah. saw me on the Top Gear when... You know when they do Conversation Alley? Yeah. And it's... Uh, we're going to discuss what country's police cars suck the most. <laughs> <laughs> 
And right up front, he goes, well, it's not the Americans. They have those big crown Vicks with the V8. Oh, I love you from that moment on. <laughs> well, did you, have you not, because Clarkson and Hammond, Hammond loves muscle cars. He actually owns a Mustang, and Clarkson hates them. <laughs> and have you seen the one, have you not watched the one where they go, they go on a tour of the South of America, and mm. on the side of Hammond's car, they, they paint Man Love Rules okay? <laughs> no, I didn't get up to that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Oh, God. Anyway, we're not doing the Top Gear podcast much as I think we should. 